We are surrounded by amazing technology. It's part of our lives every day. We don't even think about it any longer. We just take it for granted. Our phones are a powerful computer, more powerful than any computer 20 years ago that we might have had, 15 years ago. The capability of doing things that were once just maybes. The capability of doing things that will fulfill scripture in the future. I thought of this years ago when things were in conflict in the Soviet Union. And someone using a satellite phone was broadcasting live what was taking place during the time that Boris Yeltsin was, was president of Russia. And I thought of the scripture that declares that during the tribulation, the two witnesses that God sends to earth will do signs and wonders, and then the beast will be given authority. The Antichrist will be given the ability to kill them. And their bodies will be left in the streets for three days. And all the world will see them. That is possible right now. You and I can live stream anything that we are doing. And the rest of the world can watch us in real time. We are surrounded by this amazing technology. I really like my truck. So this is the first long trip I took with my truck. There's a lot of great features on it. One of the things that I really like about my truck is adaptive cruise control. You probably have it on your vehicle. And so we'd be rolling along the highway and coming up on the back of someone and Georgia would be pointing and she would be trying to slow us down with her imaginary brake. And I would say, Georgia, just trust the technology. Trust the technology. Truck would slow itself down and keep the appropriate distance to the vehicle in front. Another thing I like about my truck is that it has this adaptive technology where it learns your driving habits. And then it fine-tunes the performance accordingly. And so, on the way back, I found the sweet spot for gas mileage. It learned my habits. I let it do its thing. And I got 29 miles to the gallon coming across the Ohio Turnpike and through the mountains of Pennsylvania with a full-size F-150. Pretty amazing technology, isn't it? And yet many of you have that technology and even more technology on your vehicles than I do. For me, my truck is one of a kind. I waited for years and prayed for years for this. And when I wasn't looking for it, it came. It was there. God's perfect timing. And you and I appreciate, we enjoy, we celebrate those kinds of things in our lives. And yet, 
Those very same factors, when we apply them to Jesus Christ, they pale. He truly is one of a kind. And even when most were not looking, God was keeping His word, His promises to send a Savior, to redeem humanity from their sin, to give them eternal life. Over the next few weeks of Advent, we are going to be looking at a central verse, John chapter 1 and verse 14. And today we are going to be looking at this subject, the one-of-a-kind word. Now, John chapter 1, verses 1 through 18, is known as the prologue to John's gospel. In these 18 verses of prologue, John will condense all the truths that are presented in his entire gospel. One of the unique characteristics of John's gospel is that it contains more of the words of Jesus than any other gospel. John does not so much emphasize the works of Jesus as the words of Jesus. It is Jesus presenting who He is and what He has come to do in His own words. John will selectively choose seven miracles of Jesus. They are presented as signs, miraculous signs. He doesn't simply speak of them as miracles. He speaks of them as a miraculous sign. And every one of them is intended in some way to reveal who Jesus is, to show His glory, His grace, His truth. John's gospel contains many things that we do not find in the other gospels because, again, He is primarily relying upon the words of Jesus himself to present Jesus to his audience. At the heart of the prologue, these first 18 verses, is this verse. If you don't know this verse from memory, you need to memorize it. The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. We have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Read these words with me. The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. We have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Again, as I have said, the prologue contains all of the important things that Jesus will say about Himself, the way that He will present Himself. For example, we have already sung today about Him being the Word, the light, the Creator, the one who gives life. We will hear Jesus say things like, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the light of the world. If anyone walks in me, he will not walk 
in darkness any longer. The words that I speak to you are not my own words. They are the words of the Father. If you have heard my words, you have heard the words of God the Father himself. As you read through the Gospel of John, you can trace everything back to the prologue. And again, at the heart of the prologue is this verse. This verse that speaks of the incarnation of Jesus Christ. This verse that speaks of His mission and why He came. The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. Because He resided among us, because He lived with us, we have seen His glory. John would write in his first letter, we have seen him. We had fellowship with him. We sat side by side with him. With our own eyes, we have seen him. We have seen his glory. It's an exclusive glory. The glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. If I were to ask you this morning, tell me five important things about the identity of Jesus Christ, what would you say? If you were to enter a conversation with someone who is not a Christian, Kingsley, what would you say? Five most important things about who Jesus is. Joshua, what would you say? John is laying out for us in his prologue what you and I must know about Jesus. If we do not know these things, we do not know Jesus. If we do not understand these things, we cannot experience why he came. John says, the Word became flesh. Who is the Word? As John begins his gospel, he writes these words. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Orthodox Christianity stands unique among all beliefs, regardless of who those beliefs are, regardless of what they believe. Christianity is unique. Notice that I use the term Orthodox Christianity. Those of us who believe the Word of God as given to us by the apostles. The revelation that came through them, the faith that was delivered to the saints, as Jude said, once for all. There are a lot of people who call themselves Christians, but they do not fit that definition of orthodox. We'll enumerate that in just a moment. But we stand unique because of who we believe Jesus to be. Whether it is Buddhism, 
who believes that Jesus was a great teacher and his words are worth listening to? Or Islam, who believes that he is a great prophet, second to Muhammad, the Messiah, those most more subtle differences, like the differences believed by the Mormons, the Church of Latter-day Saints, LDS, or Jehovah's Witnesses. I could give you a page that I read in preparation for my sermon of Mormon theology concerning Jesus Christ. And if I stood here this morning and I shared what is on that page, you would be saying amen. Do you know enough about Jesus to detect the subtle differences? Mormons, for example, believe that Revelation is not closed. It did not end with the apostles. In fact, that there was a great falling away, the church and the gospel was corrupted, and it was not recovered until Joseph Smith, the founding of the Mormon church. And so in addition to the revelation of Scripture, there is the Book of Mormon. and what it teaches about Jesus Christ. The same goes with Jehovah's Witnesses. You might pick up a piece of literature, and it will talk about the birth of Jesus Christ as the Son of God. It will talk about His death on the cross for our sins. Do you know enough of the truth of God's Word to be able to detect those subtle differences so that you are not led astray, or so that you can lead someone else out of air into the truth. You and I need to understand who is the Word. Who is the Word that became flesh? Who is this Word that John is referencing and building his entire gospel, his entire presentation of Christ upon Throughout the prologue, John presents all that distinguishes Jesus in His uniqueness as the Word, the one who is full of grace and truth. Following your Bibles, I want to read the entire prologue, verses 1 through 18. The Gospel of John, chapter 1, verses 1 through 18. John, chapter 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made that has been made. In Him was life, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. There came a man who was sent from God. His name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all men might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to every man was coming into the world. 
He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or a husband's will, but born of God. The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. We have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. John testifies concerning Him. He cries out, saying, This is He of whom I said, He who comes after me has surpassed me because He was before me. From the fullness of His grace, we have all received one blessing after another. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, but God, the one and only, who is at the Father's side, has made Him known. This is a powerful passage of Scripture. I would encourage you to go back to it this afternoon. Read it again. Read it before you go to bed. Read it a number of times this week. These are some of the most important words that you and I can etch into our hearts and our minds so that we have a true understanding of who Jesus is. The Word became flesh. Who is the Word? John identifies the Word in the very first verse. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. You and I recognize those words. They are familiar, aren't they? John's Gospel begins the same way that the first words of the Bible begin in Genesis chapter 1, in the beginning. And yet there is something unique in the structure of John's words. When he declares that in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. John is declaring to us that the Word is God. This one that became flesh, the Word is God. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. What does John want us to understand? This Word is God. And not a being that was elevated. Not someone who reached a higher state of consciousness. In the beginning was the Word. When there was nothing else, the Word was there. Because the Word is God, fully divine in essence, eternal in existence. In other words, Jesus shares the same nature as God. God is omnipotent. He is all-powerful. God is all-knowing, omniscient. God is sovereign. God is righteous. God is holy. 
And everything that God is, God is in infinite quantity. He is the eternal God with no beginning. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God. Fully divine in essence, eternal in existence. Buddhists do not believe that about Jesus. Mormons do not fully believe that about Jesus. Nor do Jehovah's Witnesses. Nor do Muslims. Nor do many who call themselves Christians. But the Word of God is clear. That Jesus is God. Because in the beginning was the Word. And the Word was God. A second thing that John tells us is that the Word was with God. What does it mean to be with? John uses a unique word for with. It's not the ordinary word for with that is used elsewhere through his gospel. It is a word that we understand well by reading verse 18. No one has ever seen God but God the one and only who is at the Father's side. One way that you and I can translate this is with this phrase, closest fellowship. The Word was with God in closest fellowship. Again and again, you and I will hear Jesus say throughout this gospel, if you have seen me, you have seen the Father. The words that you hear from me, they are the words of the Father. I and the Father are one. Jesus would pray that you and I as his followers would have a unity among us just like the unity that he has with the Father. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. Mormons believe, unlike you and I, that there are three distinct gods. That the Father possesses a body which came from a higher essence that existed before Him. That the Son came from the Father and He possesses a body, the Holy Spirit. He's not truly a person. But there are three gods. You and I believe that there is one God who has manifested Himself in three persons. We sing the song, God in Three Persons, Blessed Trinity. There is a mysterious and a unique fellowship that exists between Jesus and the Father. This truth that Jesus is in closest fellowship with the Father is essential. Because no one has ever seen God. No one really knows what God is like. Every other presentation of God that had been made, Every other evidence that God placed of Himself for people to see was insufficient to reveal Himself. 
The heavens declare the glory of God. One of the wonderful things that we enjoyed while we were away was being in a setting where at nighttime, when the skies were clear, we could see a zillion stars. Now, living here in Baltimore, if you look at the sky, you might think that there are about 25 stars in the Milky Way. But when you get to a place where there is dark sky, where there's not a lot of light pollution, you see millions of stars. The heavens declare the glory of God. And yet, the God of this world has blinded the eyes of people so that they cannot see. God gave His law to reveal His righteous nature. He gave a priesthood and sacrifices to show what was necessary to be reconciled to God when we offend Him and are guilty of His judgment. But every means through which God presented Himself fell short. Man cannot truly perceive who God is and what God is like. Our understanding is darkened by sin. Anyone who represents Him falls short of the glory of God, and so God sent His Son. The one and only in closest fellowship with Him, that we might truly know what God is like in every way. John also tells us that the Word is the means of creation and the source of all life. The Apostle Paul, writing in his letter to the Colossians, said that Jesus is the image of the invisible God. And that He is the Creator and the Sustainer of all things. When John writes about the Word, the life that was in the Word, and that through Him all things were created, he is talking about the existence of things. He is the means through which everything came into existence. And He is the source by which everything is sustained. He holds the stars in space. He keeps the sun and the earth in their precise positions. Sustaining all things, the scripture says, by His powerful word. When you and I open the Psalms and we read verses like Psalm 33, and it tells us that, God spoke and creation came to be. It came into existence. It was through Christ, the Word. He is the creator of all things. In coming as our Savior, you and I become what? New creations in Jesus Christ. There's no source of life apart from Him. There's no representation that reveals the likeness of God and that is acceptable to God except through Jesus Christ. God does not bring anything to pass except through Christ. It all comes through Him. He is the creator and the sustainer of all things. 
That's why Jesus will also say later on, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. He was not being arrogant. He was not being boastful. He was not shutting everyone else out and raising himself up. He was stating an eternal truth. The Father does everything through the Word. The Father does everything through Jesus Christ. John goes on to tell us that the Word is the one and only Son of God. The Word is the one and only Son of God. He is presented to us as God in the beginning of the prologue. He is presented to us as the Creator of all things. But then John presents Him to us as the Son. The Word is the Son. He is the one and only Son. There is a uniqueness, a distinction, an exclusiveness about Him that cannot be applied by anyone else, cannot be claimed by anyone else. If you think back to a study that we had earlier this year, we were talking about the true gospel. We began that study with some clips of what some people were saying. That emphasis that you and I are little gods is one that infuriates me. It so misrepresents our need for the one and only Son. You and I are adopted. We are grafted in. Unlike the belief of some of the others whom we mentioned this morning, we will not elevate in consciousness. We will not become better and better until we are our own gods. No, we will always be who we are and what we are in Christ because of who He is and what He is, the one and only Son of God who became our substitute, laid down His life for our sins, and by His righteousness we are justified. He is exclusive. He is the only begotten of the Father. He is begotten, as we sang this morning, not created. He is the one and only who shares the same essence as the Father and therefore can represent the Father in all of His fullness and all of His glory to us. Now, as we read through the prologue, John presents to us the Word, the Word is Creator, the Word is God, the Word is the Son of God. But it's not until verse 17 that we know the name of the Word who became flesh. His name is Jesus. And John tells us that the Word incarnate is Jesus Christ. The Word was God through whom all things were created, but the Word became flesh. Islam says that God is too great to become a man. Christianity says it is because God is so great 
that he became a man. He became the only sufficient substitute. The mystery of the incarnation is something that you and I will not be able to fully understand. I stood at the shores of Lake Michigan and Lake Huron, where they meet at Mackinac. And I looked at that water. What if I could take all of that water, it was clear, it was beautiful, out of the Great Lakes, and I could put it in a five-gallon bucket. And yet somehow the infinite God became the fullness of deity in bodily form. It is a mystery that you and I will never be able to understand, and yet it is essential for you and I to accept it. Because only Jesus could fully represent, and only Jesus could fully pay for our sins. Nothing else in existence, and no one else who ever lived, could represent someone so perfectly that they could make atonement for their sins. No sacrifice could ever be so complete that it would pay. Only the infinite God, incarnate, who became flesh, possessing infinite grace, could make atonement for your sin and for my sin. Only God who became a man and died on the cross, could redeem you and me. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God. The Word existed eternally. The Word possessed infinite power and ability. And God the Father, the Apostle Paul wrote, was pleased to have all of His fullness dwell and the one we call Jesus. God became man. And through His blood, we are reconciled because He is full of infinite grace and truth. There is one and only one who is able to save us from our sins. There is one and only one exclusively the way to God. No one comes to the Father because no one else is sufficient to make a way to provide for salvation. There is one and only one who can save you and me from our sins. There is only one who can secure your soul so that you stand before Jesus in heaven. It is the Word who was God and became flesh, Jesus Christ, full of grace and truth. Hallelujah. It is because of that that you and I can come to the Lord's table today. For we will hear the words of Jesus as He says to us, This is my body which is given for you. This is my blood, which is poured out for you. Had not the word become flesh, you and I would be without hope 
there would be no way for us to be right with God. But the eternal and infinite God became flesh, sacrificed himself upon the cross. And as you and I come to the Lord's table today, we remember he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities, chastised for our peace by his stripes who were healed. Without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. And there was only one whose blood could make us right with God. And that was God the Son, one and only, full of grace and truth.
Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. The Word became flesh. The Word was given a new name, Jesus, for He would save His people from their sins. Only God could atone for your sin. Only God becoming my substitute and paying the wages of my sin could obtain me for, for me forgiveness. Only God could make you right. He couldn't wave our sins away. He couldn't overlook them. He couldn't say, I know that you didn't mean it. I'll let it go. Every sin demanded a payment because it had a penalty. And Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Sin had left an unerasable stain, but he washed me white as snow. On the night that he was betrayed, Jesus took bread. And in fulfillment of the words that he had spoken during his ministry, I am the bread of life that came down from heaven. If you eat of me, you shall live. He said to his disciples, this bread is my body, which is given for you. Eat this in remembrance of me. When he declared that he was the bread of life that came down from heaven, he also said, Unless you eat of my flesh and drink of my blood, you have no part with me. For many, that statement was so unacceptable that many disciples left him and followed him no longer. Jesus is truly the only way. We only have life through him. It is only his blood that can remove our sins. It is only his righteousness that can justify us. And so he said to his disciples, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is for the forgiveness of sins for many, not for all, but only for those who believe in him. If you truly believe today, let's drink together.
Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Aren't those precious words? Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain, he washed it white as snow. Jesus paid it all, all my own sin had left a crimson stain he washed me white as It's one of the most wonderful truths in Scripture. One of the reasons I was looking forward to being away at this time in northern Wisconsin was I wanted snow. <laughs> and the weather forecast did not predict snow. Daddy, please. You know I love snow. You know why I like snow? Scientists tell us that every snowflake is different, right? Everyone is unique. A cubic foot of snow contains millions of snowflakes. But scientists have never found one that duplicates another. He washed me white as snow. His infinite righteousness, His infinite grace. My God is an infinite Savior. Hallelujah. Amen. So, when it snows, be happy. Look at the reason that God puts it there for us. To remind us, you could never take care of your own sin. But I took care of it infinitely. Hallelujah. Amen. As we close in prayer today, we want to close with intercessory prayer.